May the force be with you. I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to the BBN. That's for you. Um, they really showed up in a big, big way today and had an impact on the game. They affected the football game in a very positive way. Have you ever heard this place as loud? That's incredible. That's a, a fantastic stat. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> you know, thank you. That's pretty, pretty awesome. No, I, I can't remember that. You know, I, uh, um, I'm sure that's frustrating on their end, but uh, I credit our crowd and a, a home field advantage. And it was really nice to deliver you know, for the fans, because we've had things teed up before. I know how it gets, and it's hard. You know, we play a tough league. But to have it teed up, to have a sellout, and then come deliver and play like that, I'm happy. You know, really am. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we got a great show lined up for you. actually got some news (laughs) on this episode, so... Any little nugget here around the SEC, we're going to squeeze every bit of content we can in the offseason. And then I reached out to a buddy of mine, Bruno Reagan, former Vanderbilt player, covered the team last season. Now he's got his own radio show in Nashville. I think you guys are really going to like this interview. He is one of the most entertaining feeds you're going to find on Twitter in the SEC. He's got guys a rising star in media. Here in a couple years, I won't be able to get him on the show. He's going to be that big, but you guys are going to look forward to that. But before we get to that, of course, National Signing Day right around the corner. So I wanted to take some time to, you know, let you guys know, be aware some of the big recruiting visits taking place this weekend in the SEC. And if you You know, obviously, if you're a listener of this show, you know the early signing period has come and gone, which means about 85, 90% of classes are full. Most players have already signed. And so the National Signing Day has really lost most of its luster. But this year, a little unique with so much coaching change. We still have some five-star and four-star players that are not signed and are going to be taking advantage of this second window to sign with their schools of choice. And we've got some epic recruiting weekends around the SEC, some of them outside, but I just wanted to touch on the big recruitments to watch because, you know, the old saying goes, the final visit really can swing things for a lot of these players. And they may be heading into the weekend thinking they're going to school A. After this weekend, they could come out going to school B. And now, of course, with NIL, it's a wild card. So recruiting has never been more difficult to predict. And these guys here, you know, they all had the opportunity to sign during the early signing period, decided not to. So, hey, there's uh, still going to be some twists and turns in the road, no doubt. So let's break it down here. Recruitments to watch this weekend heading into National Signing Day. We'll see if their visits maybe swing their recruitments. And it starts with the guy we talked about on a recent episode, just decommit from Texas A&M, but the Aggies ain't out of it. Five-star Texas linebacker Harold Perkins, the number two linebacker prospect in the country. He's going to be at LSU this weekend visiting Brian Kelly and this uh, new staff. Now, of course, Matt House, the defensive coordinator, not going to be down there, I don't think, because he's uh, obviously still with the Kansas City Chiefs coaching, trying to get to another Super Bowl. So, you know, the full staff won't be down there for Harold Perkins, but 
This weekend is going to be huge for LSU. We got uh, another guy on this list. The Tigers are going to be hosting, but it's down to LSU, Florida, and Texas A&M for Perkins. Both those programs visit his home. Billy Napier went in home with him recently. The Texas A&M staff also went in home with the Texas linebacker Harold Perkins. So we'll see. Can Billy Napier and them get some momentum? He decommitted after visiting Florida but leading up to this LSU visit. So I don't know if it was one or the other that got him to back off his pledge from the Aggies, but the Aggies ain't giving up either. So can they keep him home? We all know the uh, NIL pool there. They they got money in LSU and Florida too, trust me. So that's going to be one to watch. Harold Perkins, LSU going to take their swing with uh, Brian Kelly. Can he prove he's got what it takes to recruit at an elite level in the SEC? We're about to find out. Now next, going to the other five-star to watch this weekend. Five-star Florida defensive lineman, number three overall defensive lineman prospect in the country, Shamar Stewart. Now, he's visiting Miami, who, of course, they got Mario Cristobal now. And I think I've said on this show, this is going to be a problem for the SEC. I'm not saying the U is back. They're going to dominate and all this. We actually got some Miami talk coming. But Mario Cristobal is one hell of a recruiter. And he's been pulling guys all across the country to go up to Oregon. He did it at Alabama. He did it previously working at uh, FIU. So this guy knows the landscape down there. He's a Miami grad. The pool to stay home is going to be big for Shamar Stewart. We'll see if the Hurricanes can impress him. But if not, Texas A&M and Georgia are both in it deep with Shamar Stewart. Again, the nation's number three defensive lineman, the highest rated defensive lineman in the country that has yet to sign, will be in Miami this weekend. And we'll see uh, if that Maybe maybe that plays a difference there for the Hurricanes. Now, next on the list, we got four-star Louisiana safety Jacoby Matthews, who's the number two safety in the country. His recruitment's been all over the place. I think he was committed to LSU at one point. I think he was committed to Texas A&M at one point. Now he's uncommitted. He's looking at Florida, Texas A&M, LSU, all in the mix, going to be an SEC battle. He is also going to be visiting LSU this weekend with Harold Perkins. So huge, huge, important weekend here for the Tigers and Brian Kelly. They had a slow early signing period, but they could have one hell of a close here with National Signing Day. And they've got uh, another guy on this list. They're in it for a number of these guys on this list. So next on the docket, four-star defensive lineman, Caden Story from, I believe he's from Alabama, the number 26 defensive lineman in the country. He's visiting Florida this weekend, which Billy Napier and company, they're going to have a, their chance to impress Caden Story. Was recently committed, excuse me, decommit from Auburn after Nick Eason, the defensive line coach, moved on to Clemson. So it's a Clemson-Florida battle for Caden Story. You got to think that uh, considering the Clemson hiring away, the coach he commit to at Auburn, Tigers are going to have, you know, they're probably going to be the favorite here, but visiting the Gainesville, Billy Napier, he just hired himself one hell of a defensive line coach to coach up the Gators defensive line. Maybe this weekend flips the script here for Caden Story and the Gators. The Gators are going to be the most interesting team to watch, I think, on National Signing Day because they have hired an all-star staff of recruiters down there. Now we'll find out, uh, you know, what they can do with it. And speaking of that, four-star Tennessee running back, 
Jordan James. He's the number 16 running back prospect in the country. He is also visiting Florida. Now, adding a little intrigue to this one, he's a Georgia commitment. And he didn't sign with the Bulldogs during the early signing period. So how firm is his commitment to the Bulldogs? We're, go we're about to find out here on Wednesday because he's down to Florida, Georgia, and Oregon. Now, Oregon's got some buzz for Jordan James, but again, he's visiting Gainesville this weekend. Maybe that coaching staff can get him trending in that direction. We'll find out, but that's going to be one to watch for Gator fans. Jordan James could use some depth at the running back position. And how about four-star Georgia defense alignment Christian Miller, the number 14 defense alignment prospect in the country. Another Miami visitor this weekend. He's down to Georgia, Ohio State, and Miami. So got to see what Crystal Ball can do with that. Now he's, he's going to have some talented, talented linemen down there to recruit this weekend. And last but not least here, another coveted SEC target. Many schools, four-star Louisiana running back, the number nine running back prospect in the country, Travante Citizen. He is also going to be visiting Miami. So this is what I'm trying to tell you about Mario Cristobal. You're sensing a the theme here. These prospects, elite, they're going to say, I'm going to go SEC or I'm going to go Miami. That's going to be the way it's going to be, I think, as long as Mario Cristobal is down there. He's that good of a recruiter. But Citizen is down to Auburn, LSU, Florida, and Miami. So we'll see if uh, the school that – they were the first ones to jump in on the NIL. Remember that? They gave basically the entire team NIL money. Uh, we'll see how far that goes with some of these commits down there because I'm sure they're going to be getting all kinds of information on the NIL during their visit down there. But moving on to uh, the news we have around the league. Going to hit on two SEC East teams real quick here. Let's start with uh, a trip to Lexington where I don't know how much validity there is to this report, but... Apparently, it's being reported by 24-7 uh, Sports, so, you know, that's a credible website. Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, being targeted by Mario Cristobal. Apparently, Cristobal is just going to go down the list of uh, SEC coordinators till he can get one because uh, he couldn't get Kendall Browse. Now he's reportedly moving on to uh, Liam Cohen, got his sights set on Kentucky's offensive coordinator. Now, I have not heard this. I'll just share what I've been told about Cohen this offseason is – he would leave for an offensive coordinator position in the NFL, and he would potentially leave for a head coaching position in college football. And I've also been told that he has passed on the UMass head coaching job, which you may be saying, well, what? why the hell would he want to go to UMass? That's where he went to school. So if he's passing on jobs like that, he's not just eager to leave Kentucky. With uh, Will Levis coming back, We've got Chris Rodriguez coming back. We're going to get to this, but Cavassier Smoke just announced he's coming back. Kentucky is all in on next season. And as crazy as this sounds, I'm already catching hell for this because I've said it on Twitter. Miami Twitter, apparently that's a thing now too. But the, the Hurricane fans have found this tweet. But I said, you know, I think this, is a, this will be a step down for Liam Cohen. And that may have been asinine to say 10 years ago 20 years ago it ain't 10 years ago it's now I'm talking 2022 Kentucky 2022 Miami it's not even close Kentucky is going to be a top probably top 20 team in the country they're going to be picked at worst third in the east a lot of people are going to have them second some may even have them first in the east 
Whereas at Miami, it's a total rebuild like it has been for 20 years here. So, yeah, re-implementing your offense, not knowing the pieces, not having your quarterback you hand-picked like you did Will Levis here at Kentucky. You just added another transfer quarterback. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I don't know. I ain't buying this one. So they may be targeting him, but I think it's going to be a, similar to the Kendall Browse situation where thanks but no thanks to Miami Hurricanes. I think Liam Cohen is going to stay at Kentucky for at least another season here. And part of that, like I referenced there, Cavassier Smokes made it official. He is returning, going to add some depth to that running back position with Chris Rodriguez coming back, looking to break the school record for rushing yards. But Smoke, he's a talented back himself. Averaged over five yards per carry last season. He only had 406 yards and four touchdowns. That's probably why he's coming back. But if you combine Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, and Will Levis, 2,160 rushing yards last season for the Kentucky Wildcats. That's a hell of a trio right there, and they're all back next season. So I think uh, Kentucky, again, this is just more and more good momentum heading into spring football for the Wildcats. This is looking like one hell of a year for Kentucky. And here on Thursday, they introduced a couple of the transfers they got this year now officially on campus, and that includes uh, Deuce Hogan, transfer from Iowa. He's a quarterback, and it's, it's pretty ironic he's coming in from Iowa, the school Kentucky just beat in the bowl game. But uh, he met with the media here along with uh, Tayshawn Manning, the Auburn offensive lineman. And uh, let's kick it over to Deuce Hogan. I thought this was pretty funny where he said, hey, as soon as I got here, they started mocking me. And uh, it kind of gave me a similar vibe to Will Levis last year when he was embraced by this Kentucky team. I just thought this was pretty cool. I'm Hill with the Courier Journal. What was your perception? I mean, you just played them. It's the first ball being on the other side of that. And how did that kind of work out for you? Yeah, so I was actually in the portal prior to that game. Um, I left after the Nebraska week. Um, uh, so, you know, I was so torn. I was actually, my family moved from North Texas to South Texas. My dad's a head football coach. And, uh, I, had, I was in North Texas with my girlfriend and her family, and we were watching the game. And so my phone was blowing up, right? And I'm like so conflicted because on one hand, I have like the guys that are going to be my teammates. And then on the other side, I got my like current best friends. You know what I'm saying? Guys I lived with, guys that I've been up at 5 a.m. with. So it was super conflicting. Uh, but, you know, it was an awesome game and it was cool because uh, it gave some validity to the University of Kentucky. And, you know, they're just. They're just, you know, kind of to the moon right now, and Iowa's coming off a 10-win season. So it was cool. It was really fun to watch. I'm curious, how much heck have the new guys given you about beating Iowa last year? Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I walked in, like, day one, and, you know, people are, you know, dapping me up, saying what's up, and one guy just walks in and says, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And the whole room busts out laughing. And I'm like, all right, like, I get it, I understand. And, but they've been super cool. And, like, my defense mechanism is like, I wasn't there technically. You know what I'm saying? I was already removed. Um, but, yeah, they've given me some crap. But, I mean, it's all, it's kind of, it's almost warming. You know, it's, it'd be weird if I was a new guy and no one talked to me. But to, like, come in and get messed with, like, it's almost, like, comforting. Now, this Hogan, he's got some swagger to him, too. If you do a quick Google search here, Deuce Hogan, Iowa commit. As soon as he committed to the Hawkeyes, he called out Ohio State, said, He's going to be giving the defensive coordinator nightmares up there in Columbus, which obviously didn't happen. But, 
hey, I think that he could be the future of the position here at Kentucky. He was a four-star commit. In, uh, he was a redshirt freshman last season. He was in the 2020 recruiting class. He had offers from Baylor, Georgia, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Iowa State. So, I mean, he had some meaningful offers here, but he's a down-the-line guy. But one of the transfers that they added this week, Tayshawn Manning, I referenced there, he's only got one year to play. He's coming to Kentucky to be the next member of the Big Blue Wall. I thought uh, these comments were great from the, the new Kentucky lineman who should project right in there to the starting lineup in his final collegiate season. When you're evaluating the decision to transfer, it plays a key role, man. I love it because, you know, the fans, they love their offensive line, and I'm an offensive lineman, so where I can go somewhere where I can receive that love, you know, I'll, I'll go there 100%, you know. You mentioned the, the big blue wall. There's been a lot said and written, and you mentioned how much fans appreciate it. You're an O-lineman. Generally, you labor in anonymity. But the O-line's a big deal here. What do you think of that? I think that's awesome, to be honest. Um, I love it. I love I love giving the O-line attention. I feel like the big boys need, need their love <laughs> and to make them play better. So uh, I'm here for it. Now, I didn't want to uh, leave these guys out. I don't, I'm not going to include any of their clips, but uh, Kentucky also had receiver – Tavion Robinson, who came in from Virginia Tech, as well as defensive lineman Darion Henry Young, who comes in from Ohio State. We all know the outstanding tradition Ohio State has of producing defensive linemen. So four quality transfers here being added to the roster here in time for spring football in Lexington, and that's just going to add to the momentum they got up there. Now, last little nugget here around the league before we get to our interview with uh, Bruno Reagan, Missouri. Man, I think we've been overlooking a little bit. That's a little bit my fault, so much going on. But they have been adding players left and right via the transfer portal this offseason. And, of course, we know best recruiting class in program history, signed up, ready to go. And the latest win from Eli Drinkowitz and company in the portal, they've landed Florida linebacker, or I obviously should say former Florida linebacker, Tyron Hopper. He is the cousin of Tyrone Hopper, who Missouri landed – just a week ago from North Carolina. So you're adding two talented linebackers to the roster here in Missouri. Tyron, the former Gator, had 65 tackles last season, 10 tackles for loss. He was a top 100 overall prospect in the 2019 recruiting class, the number four outside linebacker, and he's got several more years to play. And just look at some of the schools and some of these prospects that uh, – Missouri has added via the transfer portal to help with depth and experience. We mentioned the two hoppers, Oklahoma State defensive lineman Jaden Jerrigan, Clemson safety Joseph Charleston, Texas A&M corner Drayden Norwood, Stanford running back Nathan Pete, and they got Buffalo center Bence Polger as well. So, I mean, we're talking – I mean, look at, listen again to some of these schools, Florida, North Carolina, Oklahoma State – Clemson, Texas A&M, some of the most successful programs in the country. You're getting the players leaving there. And I know that the joke is, well, hell, they got uh, a joke of a defense here. They hired the Steve Wilkes. It looks like a month into the job. There was, I mean, Drinkowitz was legitimately being asked, are you considering firing this guy that you hired from the NFL 
he seems in over his head or he can't translate it to the college game. I looked up the numbers because Missouri was night and day better at the tail end of the season on the defensive side of the ball, but I had no idea how much. The first month of the season, Missouri was giving up 271 rushing yards per game, dead last in the SEC. That's just god-awful, and unfortunately, it got worse in October when they started to get into the middle of SEC play and that Boston College game, 296 yards allowed on the ground in the month of October. Again, dead last for Missouri, and this is the point where everybody's saying, well, my God, we got to move on from Steve Wilkes. This guy don't know what the hell he's doing. They fired the defensive line coach, made a, an adjustment. You know, that's the scapegoat. That's the move you make. And then in November, 120 rushing yards allowed per game, fourth best in the SEC. So you go from dead last to fourth best, and you may be saying, well, hell, they, they probably played a joke of the schedule, right? No, they played Georgia, held them to their lowest rushing total in two years. They played Arkansas. Arkansas led the SEC in rushing last year. They played Florida, which I know Florida couldn't do much last year, but rushing the ball was about all they could do on that side of the ball. And they played South Carolina, which is uh, sending two running backs off to the NFL. in the num- So those were their four opponents in the month of November. And if that doesn't tell you the strides that were made on that defensive side of the ball under Steve Wilkes as the players got acclimated, something clearly clicked there. And with the change at the defensive line coach, now you're adding in these transfers. Now you're adding the best signing class of all time. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty confident if I'm a Missouri fan that we're headed in the right direction. I know last season didn't go quite your way, not up to the standard you were expecting, but that doesn't mean that uh, the future is not very, very bright there in Columbia. All right, last thing here. Really appreciate uh, this interview. Really good stuff here from Bruno Reagan, former Vanderbilt player. And who knows, we could be seeing him very soon on your television in the USFL. Not sure when the hell that's going to kick off, but I keep, you know, they're naming all these coaches. So next it's on to the players. Bruno's going to get into that, get into some of the Commodore talk. And I really appreciate uh, Bruno. He's one of the most entertaining guys out there. But all right, hey, we're pleased to once again be joined by Bruno Reagan. He's the host of the Afternoon Stretch on WNSR here in Nashville, which you can find from 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And you got to give him a follow at Bruno Reagan, which you can find in the show notes. He's a former Vanderbilt lineman, played in the XFL, I believe, and he's, he's covered Vandy, uh, the football team, last year. So how's it going, Bruno? I, I really appreciate you joining us. No problem. It's going. Uh, it's going good. Going about as good as it can go, I think. Yeah. And hey, you know, you got quite the bio, my man. But are we going to add USFL future star to that bio? Well, I've been. Uh, they told me yesterday they were going to send me the contract, and it's today, so not yesterday. And I'm still waiting for it. So, I mean, that all comes down from Fox Corporate, and who knows how that works. I've. I've been optimistic. I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with my posts, but I've I was I went from trashing the league to being optimistic about it. And now I'm pessimistic about it. And listen, I'm ready to play, but you know I'm not gonna. They ought to make it worth my while. Um, I've I've been doing a bunch of I've been really doing well for myself recently. So I, I have the itch. I want to play ball. You know I'm willing to take basically a massive paid down pay grade to do it. 
but I'm not going to also do it for free. So it's, you know, it's, there's that ebb and flow of it. Um, once I get that contract, I'll figure out. This is when you see my Twitter and my show, like I try to do it with my, my bio to let people know, like everything I say, take it with a grain of salt. It's all, most of it's just for fun and entertainment and parody. And that's the way I like going about social media. I don't like taking it too serious on this show. Everything I say is going to be, you know, off the top of my head, serious, just as a, a pure frame of reference because i talked to the usfl guys and they're like oh we see your twitter you know we thought you hated us and i'm like i'm never gonna pass i'm never in my life gonna just spit at opportunity presented to me it'll never happen so if you know if people are having trouble separating those parts of my life then there's there's your basically your warning for it yeah, and you, I mean, I love your feed. I got me out of it. And I know Vanderbilt, you know, it, it was not that entertaining this season, but hell, I had a much more entertaining time just going through your feed during the game. Because, <laughs> I mean, you crack me up, you know, just nonstop on Saturday night. It's usually when Vanderbilt's playing. So yep. I want to start right there because not only Vanderbilt, but you also, t you like to tweet when Tennessee's playing. So what gives you more joy? A Vanderbilt win or a Tennessee loss? By far a Vanderbilt win. The okay. tennis the Tennessee thing, it's I really don't even have my beef was with like Butch Jones and not offering yeah. me. I've never I've never had beef. A lot of people like make fun of the Tennessee fan of obviously me included, but it's for fun. Like when they right. send real jabs my way, it's tough for Tennessee fans because I mean I beat them three times, so usually I got stuff in the archives, but sometimes <laughs> they get me good and it's all in good fun. It's much love. I'm friends with a lot of the players, former coaches my beef was just with coach jones and not offering me um other than that you know it's more it's mostly just all fun i by far i want to see vanderbilt win 10 times more than i ever watched you know tennessee suffer and lose gotcha gotcha well i gotta ask you this too because after the music city bowl i caught i didn't catch all of it unfortunately <laughs> but there was the spaces with pat mcafee you were in there back and forth and, hey everybody that does this loves pat mcafee he's the guy we look up to the most so you know, how was that back and forth getting to getting to talk with Pat? For, yeah, so that was definitely, I guess you could call a performance. <laughs> I saw Pat post. I was driving home from the radio show to my judo club in Clarksville. And I was so I was on my way basically from work to work. And I just get the notification for the space instantly the second it pops out from. So I'm like the first guy in there talking about the Tennessee, you know, how the referees might have screwed him over. And mm -hmm. there was all that trash talk from it was very surprising that because they were practicing on Vanderbilt's field. So it's very it's very interesting stories <laughs> leading up to the Music City Bowl with Hypel and the players just taking shots at Vandy the whole time. So. I was like, okay, this is my chance to just act a fool and just trash talk Tennessee at all costs. So that's that's the first thing I did. I mean, I was just I was just like, of course they lost. You know, their mind wasn't in Purdue. It was all about you know they were Vanderbilt was in their head, which is it's a it's a joke, but it was also kind of true. I took that chance, and Pat was a good sport about it. Um, I definitely, you know, I took it up to eleven. It was all it was that was really fun. I love the spaces. The spaces are awesome. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well. You know, on a more serious note, you know, I know this is very tough to judge just based on, you know, the roster and the program he inherited, but what's your overall thoughts on Clark Lee and the job he did his first year in Nashville? 
I like Clark. I like Clark and I like the staff. I mean, him bringing Bart Simmons was probably like, I mean, that was a, basically creating a GM role in, in the staff is, I think that's an uber, uber smart decision. You start to see it pick up with recruiting. Yeah. I, when, going into the season, I predicted like, I believe three wins was my prediction. So what one off or right on the money, one of the two. Um, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't make it hurt any less when it actually happens. Like even though you yeah. predict it, because the roster's just not there yet. Um, he's gonna need time, which sucks. Like we're not gonna know if he's really, you know, up to the task until not even next year. Like three, four years in. Um, what you for a guy like him, you just need to see constant improvement. You just need to see that that win column go up ever so slightly. Basically, what Derek Mason was doing. He came. I mean, just it was a total dumpster fire at first then we won four games then we won five games then we went to the bowl game then you know we had to step back and we went to the bowl game again though we looked better than we ever had so you just need to see that progress now it's a long way off to the next season but just based on what you've seen and clearly this could change between now and then but where would you go with the starting quarterback role there between Mike Wright and Ken Seals? Because oh my gosh, that's man. a tough that question. Is, you know, it is, it is a mega tough question, especially you know having watched the. I I was at basically every spring practice, every um you know every game, a, a lot of the fall camp practices, and when you watch practice, Ken seems like the guy is much more poised. He makes great plays, make decisions, knows how to run it. And Mike was Mike was the backup then. So he was throwing a line to double, just trying to prove himself. So he's taking extra risk. You trust his legs like way too much. And then come to the season, you know, Ken, for what it's worth, I mean, obviously the whole team, you know, it's hard to carry a whole team, especially as a quarterback. But right. you've seen you've seen the not to make the unfair comparison, but you've seen the master Matthew Stafford's do it in Detroit or whatever. Like they're trying to make something out of nothing and they're still playing really well. Ken kind of, you know, he had a sophomore slump and whereas he probably, he definitely deserved to win the starting job. He did. I was at those practices naming him. The starter was the right thing to do, but Mike comes in. And I mean, this dude is just an ultra competitor. He is trying to make stuff happen, which works against them sometimes, you know, throwing, you know, a silly turnover or a pick, but the team just looked better with Mike in it. So it's like, okay, we have this guy where maybe long-term we might be better off with Ken, but Mike gives us his best chance to win. So what do we do? And if, and in my, in my experience, you always play the guy who gives you the best chance to win right now. So I think going with Mike a lot of time was, was the right choice going into the season. My thing was they need to find their starting quarterback and stick with him. And of course, at the end of the season, we're back at square one. We're like, great. What do we do now? You know, I think, um, I think you try to bring in competition from the transfer portal since there's a hundred, a million and one players in there. And <laughs> you know, you, they, they recruit, I think they have one four star, four-star quarterback um currently committed so he'll, he might be able to compete early and then you got ken and mike and i mean it's just gonna, it is going to be the same old story but competition brings out the better in people so i hope one of these guys does win it a little earlier and they can you know kind of take control of the team are you surprised at all about uh, how well vanderbilt was able to recruit this year or maybe not not were you <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent uh i don't know if you've when I was visit, when I was getting recruited, that was James Franklin years when they had the opening game at Ole Miss and open game at South Carolina. I mean, it was crazy. It was absolutely electric. What was going on? If you go to a Vanderbilt game now, it's like a morgue. Um, yeah. Watching them get trounced by ETSU by double digits was by far the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe they convinced kids to come there. But what one thing that you know. And that's just me being honest. But one thing that they have an advantage with is that school. That school is beautiful. 
it is an amazing place. I mean, they, when you're a student athlete, you live ball. Like I didn't care about anything other than ball. But when I did have to go to class and when you're at Vanderbilt, you do. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no gen ed 101 Swahili. Here's your free A. <laughs> that ain't happening. But the Vanderbilt experience is so fun and awesome. And if you're up to the task to learn at that school, I mean, and the the people you meet, it's ridiculous. Like the connections you can make. It's definitely an easy sell for maybe someone who can break that mold of, oh, I'm going to make it to the NFL. Cause realistically we're not, if you, right. even the guys that go to Alabama and play well, a lot of them don't make it to the NFL. And even if they do make it to the NFL, I know a ton of four or five year NFL guys, you can't retire off four or five years league minimum NFL. You can buy a house and be set up. Well, you're not going to retire. Right. So if you're a good player, Vanderbilt, you can make Vanderbilt work for you really well. So I'm, I was surprised that they were, that they were having so much success. And then I'm like, well, I mean, think back to when I was getting recruited and you're walking around those halls and you're like, okay, this is what, this is what snobby elitists like look like. This is what, you know, this is what I would expect. So safe to say your senior year there at Vanderbilt, you didn't just take ballroom dancing like some of these other players. My senior year. So to be eligible for cost of living, which is the nice little, like a few, a thousand some dollar check they give you for, mm -hmm. you have to take nine hours. I didn't care about grad school at all. I could have finished half my grad school and I guess I would have had to pay for the other half, which wouldn't have been too much, but I didn't care about getting a master's at all. I knew where my career was and I knew that it was more entrepreneurial, whereas the degree is nice and it's a good look, but also my, you know, a master's isn't going to get me where I want to be. So it wasn't a big deal. So basically to get cost of attendance, I needed to take nine hours, but I was like, heck no. So I took one class it was my last class ever at Vanderbilt. So my entire senior year, you know, I was in, I was in a Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour. And that was it, which was super nice. I was basically a pro football player at Vandy. Nice. Well, I don't know if you've looked ahead to the next year's schedule or anything, but I'm wondering if we're going to see uh, Bruno uh, maybe at midfield or something for the, uh, the season opener next year. It's at Hawaii. How, how hard you want to go to that game? <laughs> no shot. If there's anyone, I hate traveling so much with a passion. I cannot stand planes. I mean, I'm a big guy, right? So I can't stand it. I, I do I do it when it needs to be done. No shot. You'll ever see me down in Honolulu, on Honolulu or wherever that university is at. What a crazy experience that's going to be. I mean, they're going to have to leave two days early. That's nuts. And, you know, looking at the SEC schedule, I don't know what in the hell Vanderbilt did to piss off the SEC, but they open at Alabama. They come home, they play Ole Miss, and then the next SEC games at Georgia. I mean, my God, it, it literally can't get any tougher. So, you know, those games, they're going to be picked to lose by a million points. But let's assume Vanderbilt snaps their SEC losing streak at some point next season. Uh, what team do you think they're most likely to beat? It's got to be. I mean, we're historic. Recently, if you follow the recent history, it's going to be at the tail end of a season against a Missouri or Kentucky, Ole Miss or Tennessee. 100% it's going to be one of those teams. Even when Ole Miss is good, um, we've snuck some. We've snuck it against some good Ole Miss teams. It's, it's just what it is. I think we end up playing Ole Miss at home, if, I am, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, Ole Miss at home. Yeah, so we've been really successful against Ole Miss at home in recent years. Um, I would like it to be South – history tells us not Florida, not South Carolina. In South Carolina, we're on a – 
we're on a decade-long losing streak against them. We just cannot get it done against some of the worst South Carolina teams in history. So I would look for a Missouri or a Kentucky. That's what we did with Mason. Our first two SEC teams were Missouri and Kentucky. Boom, boom, 2015. So that's probably how it'll happen. Although Kentucky has found, I mean, they've taken their program up to, you know, right below Georgia in the SEC East in the Florida kind of realm. Um, that's how it's going to happen. It's not going to be against a West team other than Ole Miss, I believe, unless we can sneak a heck. I was going to say Arkansas, but that's out the window. Um, it's just tough. <laughs> this is tough. When you're OOC, try and sneak an SEC win. You know, then you're looking at a four or five win season. That's a, that's a victory for for Clark Lee. All right, last thing for Bruno. I really appreciate your time. You know, I know you said it's too early to judge Clark Lee, and I agree 100. percent But what's your confidence level that uh, he's the right man for the job there? Uh, in Nashville? Well, out of 10, nine, because I don't like dealing in certainties. If it's, it's just ridiculous to say 10 out of 10, that's a Homer move. And yeah. I, I, so nine's about as Homer as I can get while being objective. I like Clark Lee. I think he's, he's hired a great staff. I mean, the energy there is through the roof. You're when you're coaching at Vanderbilt, you're coaching against the sec and you're also coaching against the Vanderbilt norms, which it's, it's hard to explain to people, but the academic rigors, um, the fact that there's like, I mean, just life as a student athlete, there is a little tougher. Um, the school isn't necessarily on your side all the time. I don't know if you've seen the controversy with Vanderbilt basketball and their attendance. It's little things like that, that just make no mm-hmm. sense that just piss everybody off. Um, but I'm big into Clark Lee. I think I, I was advocating for him before he got the job and after seeing the way he operates, I think he just brings a nice consistency to that team. Whereas I, I, I can get behind it as an alumni. I, I think he's the guy. Um, it's definitely a great thing that he's an alumni because he has the extra investment. Whereas if he wins six games and some job offers him, you know, he might not just tuck tail and dip at the slightest. Um, so if we have that success, we could have some longevity with him too. I like it. Big fan. All right, he's Bruno Reagan. Don't forget to check out the show, The Afternoon Stretch, WNSR, Nashville, 4 to 6 p.m., Monday to Friday. And, I, hey, I promise you, if you follow at Bruno Reagan, you are <laughs> not going to be disappointed. Bruno, I appreciate you uh, hopping on the show. Thank you. No problem. I'm glad you enjoy the Twitter feed. That's all it's supposed to be is fun. It costs me, <laughs> it costs me a lot of money sometimes, but it's fun. <laughs> all right, so just want to say thanks again, Bruno, for hopping on the line. Give him a follow at Bruno Reagan. You can find that in the show notes if you're one of these people if you're like me you can't write anything down i mean who's got time for that these days so we make it convenient for you put all the uh, every guest we have we got their twitter handle in the bio so go check that out but uh hey that's all we got for this week's shows i hope you guys appreciated five episodes this week i know we're in the dead of the off season some of these shows a little bit slow but doing everything we can to pump up the content And again, Shane and I are going to be on vacation next weekend. So the plan is to put out a couple of shows anyway. Going to uh, pre-record a couple. We're going to try to do a National Signing Day podcast as well. May not have video for that one. I haven't figured out uh, all the details. But if I can get that drunk Tennessee homer on the line, well, hell, he'll be standing next to me. So it it should be pretty easy. So... (laughs) Who knows what will happen down there in Orlando, but uh, as long as uh, we survive the trip, we'll be back before long. So just be on the lookout for a number of shows next week as well, hoping to get two or three out at the very least. But, hey, that's going to do it for this week's shows. I do appreciate each and every one of you for your continued support, and we'll catch you on the next one.